Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., and Jesse Cofield here holding it down for us in the Boston DraftKings studio. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order using promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out Monday through Friday live, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Roku, and more. Michael Lombardi from the GM Shuffle, one of our great teammates here at DraftKings Network. You hear him over at Vegas Stats and Information. Network, former NFL executive, going to help us react to the weekend that was and some things going on uh, with Bill Belichick, a guy he knows very well as he gets to, in fact, eat that sad pretzel in Germany. But, Dad, no sad pretzels in Germany for you. You're out here in Las Vegas. You were on the call uh, with Westwood One for the Vegas Raiders and Jets game last night that I want to get to. But sights and sound-wise, they're getting ready for that Formula One race out there. What's it been like crash landing in already one of the busiest places on Earth? You know, it's amazing. The locals here hate it because they are just changing so much around the strip, taking trees, you know, kind of the beautification trees out, you know, getting rid of them, putting up the steel and the girders for the seats and everything. And interestingly enough, they, you know, they told all the hotels you're going to be packed and you could charge all you want, do everything. There are hotels that are booked to 30 and 40 percent only. They're charging too much for tickets, so people aren't coming in. It is, it's a real issue here, and they're changing basically the face of the strip for this. So it's ticking off the locals. It's ticking off the employees who are working these places because they're expecting these huge crowds. And you still may get them. They may just have to lower the prices. So while I know, you know, we've become F1 fans, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, the, the newness of this here locally. I mean, to go 10 minutes from the airport to the Strip has taken 30, 40 minutes because of construction going on. So if you're expecting a bright, cheery answer of, boy, they can't wait and they're ready to have a ball here, not so much. Not so much. They're they're a little bit uh, bummed at what seems to be a lack of interest and how their area has been changed to accommodate this race. Where are all these Vegas trees you're talking about, though? You're talking about tree removal in Las Vegas. Along like the strip where you're walking, they have, you know, just trees or bushes or whatever. A couple of trees stuck in the middle of the concrete next to the fountain of the Bellagio? Yes, yes. there, there There are more than you. Let me put it this way. There are more than you think. And for people who live here who like it, you know, they were all just ripped out. So it's just, I, I guess to put it this way, it's just one of many things that they're a little bummed at of of how their area has changed and maybe not getting the response that they thought they were going to get because obviously the employees here, you know, you live on working a lot, live on monster tips and everything, and it just doesn't seem to be be all happening and going off like they had thought. 
Huh, the commerce associated with large-scale sporting events worldwide not always benefiting the locals. This sounds yeah. like a familiar trend that we've heard of once or twice <laughs> here. That being said, the visuals of that race are going to be insane. Yeah, uh, I can't wait. So we'll wait, we'll wait to figure out that. That race is going to have a lot of action. Dad, your game last night, and we'll get to mm. the rest of the NFL weekend. I think yeah. we've got a clear main character coming off of this NFL Sunday, but... You guys had the most recent game last night, and I thought the second half, Dad, actually picked up. It was a field goal fest in the first half. Yeah, it felt yeah. like a game played by two backup quarterbacks where both teams were trying to make sure that they didn't give them too many opportunities to lose this one. And the Las Vegas Raiders, now 2-0 and since Antonio Pierce took over. No cigars last night, Dad, but still it seemed like plenty of guys that seemed like the weight of the world got lifted off their shoulders. Oh, we talked to Max Crosby after the game. Said there would be cigars. He, uh, yeah, he, okay. he said that's going to be a, a staple uh, as long as they keep winning. So may, maybe not as prevalent as the first game where everybody was smoking them like Joe Burrow after LSU's national championship. Uh, but uh, they are living living that life right now, and they're doing it kind of the way we thought they would be doing it all year, Mike. I mean, Josh Jacobs. Remember him? He was the leading rusher in the NFL last year. He was, like, forgotten early on this year. And Devontae Adams as well, not a lot of targets. So now you have a a rookie quarterback in Aiden O'Connell who you can't, you know, rest the game on, unlike a C.J. Stroud in Houston, which we'll get to. Uh, So you want to make it easy on him. Coming into two weeks ago when, when Antonio Pierce took over, Josh Jacobs was averaging 16 carries a game. Last week when they destroyed the Giants, he ran it 26 times. He was over 100 yards until the last carry. He lost a couple yards and went under. And then last night he had 27 carries, and he got over 100 yards. I think he had like 116 yards or something like that. So that's the way they're going to live on that. Aiden O'Connell, more short passes than not. You know, the old sideways passes, the the the, the quick screens or the swing passes. Uh, that, that's kind of how they're living right now. And the defense has been playing pretty well. Now, the last two weeks, they have not gone against juggernaut offenses in both the New York teams, the Giants and the Jets. They'll be tested a little more. Their next couple of games are Miami and Kansas City. So they'll get a little more test of an offensive firepower out there. But Antonio Pierce, you know, I talked to a few of the players on the field before the game, and they're just, you know, it's just they feel like the weight got lifted off a little bit. They just feel like it was kind of a drudgery. Some of the players that went and talked to Mark Davis, you know, before Josh got fired, said there something needs to be changed up. And as I said during the broadcast, and you know this, Mike, emotion carries you so far, and then you kind of settle into who you are, but they are changing a little bit. Is in the Met by giving Josh more carries. Now, early on, he wasn't running the ball that well, but as you know, you got to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. These are two defenses who, especially the Jets, are good, but they're very bad against the run. And eventually, Josh is going to bust one, and he did. He broke a 40-yard run last night to help break it open a little bit and and to finally lead to a touchdown, which we were all waiting. The end zones were very, very lonely last night. We were wondering if anybody was going to get into them. But it got a little more exciting. And while it wasn't overly exciting, it was close and it was competitive. So you were waiting for the big plays, a 40-yard run by Josh Jacobs, the interception by Spillane, the linebacker who broke his hand two weeks ago and basically didn't miss a play even after surgery. So you came up with those big plays you needed. And for the Raiders, it's like, hey, we know we're, what, 9, 10 games into the season. But to us, we're two games in and we're 2-0. and And they're still now hanging around the periphery on the AFC playoff picture. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm ready to buy in and go that far with this Raiders teams in terms of what I can expect of them. But, Dad, they do have, I think, a clearer understanding of how to keep the main thing the main thing. Like, if you're on a team that's got a rookie quarterback, that's all right. And Aiden O'Connell's an all right player right now. He's a fourth-round draft pick. He's a guy that wowed during the preseason. What do you probably want to do? Turtle this thing up, play it close to the vest, and turn it into a knife fight. And that's what they didn't. Josh, Josh. Uh, Jacobs is a pretty compelling knife to bring to the fight and then on the other side dad I just appreciate that they understand now hey 
We paid Devontae Adams a lot of money. He wasn't yep. very happy, and then people started getting fired when he got really unhappy. And so you know what we're going to do? Target the ever-loving mess out of Devontae Adams. 13 targets in this game. The next closest was the tight end Michael Mayer, which, God bless the Las Vegas yeah. Raiders. Antonio Pierce, if nothing else, you have my short and shield forever because he looked down and said, wait a minute, we drafted this tight end that was really good in college at Notre Dame, and we just didn't use him at all for a while, and now the lone trip to the end zone last night features none other than Michael Mayer. Surprise, surprise, Dad, making a contested catch well, in the end zone when you just give him a chance to go. Where have we seen that before? Huh, all over the tape that should have been the reason that you drafted him. So that's what I had said last night. The difference, you know, we've seen some rookie tight ends playing well this year, and we said going in, Michael Mayer is not going to be that tight end that separates from the DB, right? But throw it to him, and he catches the ball. He catches it in traffic. The touchdown last night, Aiden O'Connell did a great job. He's 6'4". The DB that was on him, the safety, was 5'10". You saw Aiden throw it up high and let Michael Mayer go get it and just you know, basically say, I'm taller than you. I'm going to get it. So I'm with you. It's like because he doesn't have the separation some of the other tight ends have, they don't throw it to him when he's going to make the catch and make the play. And Devontae Adams, it's for you know, listen, 90% of the time it's going to be a positive when you target him, as you mentioned, 13 times. The trouble you can get into is locking in on him and then, you know, getting passes broken up or an interception because you're locking in on him and the defense is going to bait you for it. But for the most part, you're going to get away, uh, pretty much get away with throwing to Devontae Adams, especially the routes of today, the crossing routes, the rub routes, trying to free him up as long as he has time in the pocket to throw the ball and let that stuff develop. Yeah, and that's always going to be the key question against this New York Jets team in particular. We saw them get to the backfield plenty, but uh, next-gen stats, Devontae Adams accounted for 87% of the Raiders' total air yards in Week 10. That's the sixth-highest air yard share in a game in the next-gen stats era. So they got him the ball early and often. They kept him happy, saw him dancing in the locker room after. Dad, you mentioned Robert Spillane, the former Pittsburgh Steeler, who you heard all on the television broadcast basically Antonio Pierce if he got to build his defense around one guy he wants it to be Robert Spillane because of everything that he represents I want to see us grade Robert Spillane and this special announcement that we saw in the post-game interview on Sunday Night Football take a listen we get to tell the world tonight that my beautiful wife will have our first baby here in June so I'm looking forward to it so he mentioned wow. that because they showed his wife when he made the game-clinching interception at the end of the game to set them up. Picks off Zach Wilson. It's a great job by him. Read the quarterback's eyes the whole way. But, Dad, my favorite part is he goes to make this announcement in the post game, and they clearly give him the space to do that, which is cool. And to do that, did you notice he took the football and he tucked it under his jersey? Yeah like it was a baby so jesse as someone currently carrying a baby if your husband decided to announce to the world me and my lovely wife were so excited we're gonna have a baby and he did it like that how would you grade the performance when he gets back home an f he would get an f oh, oh, no. also well here's the thing that i want to say he clearly didn't he didn't have time to talk to her to confirm if it was okay for him to announce on, you know, television that they were expecting a baby. So hopefully she was cool with that. Well, maybe they like discussed they to clear that before. Game. Yeah, he, maybe that was her Does he think he's going he's gonna to get, uh, uh, that's going to happen? Like, there's no way to plan for that. Well, what if what if they said, hey, if they, we win the game and we're excited, I'm going to announce, you know, whether it was there or in the post game, meet with the media that he announced it. If they okayed it before, is are you cool with it then? Yeah, sure. I would still be like, you're an idiot. Why did you put the football wow. underneath your jersey? Like what? what I did love the... that. Then he just like very wow. sheepishly. He didn't make a show of it. He didn't like turn sideways and try and show it off. He just tucked it under there real quick and was like, oh, this is where the baby. Goes. Which just made it weirder. <laughs> it was like, hey, hey. Wow. Okay. I, I thought I, I thought Jesse would be like, oh, how loving and cool. She's giving him an F. I don't think that. he understands. Wow. Does he know where babies come from? Like, I don't know. I'm just checking. Well, I think yeah, he was just point. trying to show what his wife's going like, to look like. He's like, then you just pregnant. take it out from under your shirt. And then. Oh, come on. He's, he doesn't think <laughs> that. Stop it, Jesse. <laughs> hey, it's his first time. Stop he it. might be learning. Yeah, he's Everyone a first time father. 
Yeah. So, uh, again, with him, you want to talk about the toughness. A couple of weeks ago, again, he breaks his hand during a game and, and basically still plays that game. And then the day after, gets gets an opera. He shattered a bone there's between his thumb and, and index finger and had an operation, had the bone fixed, and played the next week as well. He hasn't missed any time with a broken hand. Also, a little side note, his grandfather, the late, great Johnny Latner, Heisman Trophy winner from Notre Dame cool is that there we go wow. the connections yeah. everywhere all right bobby yeah. yeah we appreciate that definitely he just seems like a raiders guy you saw him taking off the helmet he does. And go the tongue out at the camera he's a he's a true blue raiders stick up murdered out visor too which salute to the king on that what an incredible aesthetic but if we're going to talk about injuries in this game because i feel like like you said dad for the raiders it's going to be interesting now antonio pierce how real is his uh, candidacy for this job going forward outside of just right. this season which we heard insinuate last week he's going to have a real shot to interview and keep this job what the Raiders trajectory looks like I still don't know if I'm willing to buy in in the current AFC of them as a real potential playoff team but there's hope that's starting to build up there yeah on the other side we got to talk about the New York Jets which means Jesse we have to do our weekly check-in when Aaron Rodgers and the Jets play in primetime on how is his Achilles looking it feels like we talk about this every week but if they're going to keep putting the Jets on primetime we're going to keep having this dang conversation so again He's a guest on the Jets' sideline, you know, for their game against the Raiders. And here's where things really get interesting, guys. He revealed to Melissa Starks a timeline of his, you know, return, apparently, from this injury. Mid-December is what he said. He said, I know it sounds insane, but you do a good surgery, you have a good patient, it makes this possible. So in week 15, guys, around this timeline of returning, the Jets travel to Miami to face the Dolphins. Then on Christmas Eve, Jets going to host the Commanders. Okay, I'm just saying you have poo-pooed the idea that Aaron Rodgers is going to return. I feel like we're at the point where he's he's getting way specific about when he's coming back. He's saying he's coming back this season. How do we feel about this? Also, can we really quick, we have a photo yeah, Dad, you should be able to give us the answer to yeah, this question. We have a photo of Senior having a moment here with Aaron Rodgers. And I know this is where you got all the secrets, right, Senior? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Are you guys ready? I, I you know, listen. For anyone listening to the right podcast, there. by the way, this is a picture of my dad and Aaron Rodgers down in the field talking pregame. Yeah. My dad looks like he's wearing a shirt that I think he stole from my closet. We'll, we'll put that aside for the time it's being right stealing. now. It's not stealing. You lost in pickleball, so he has the right That's to exactly wear right. Yeah. Uh, Thank yeah, you, Jesse. Appreciate mm -hmm. that very much. Yeah, so we spent a few minutes on the uh, in the middle of the field just chatting, and, and I can tell you, I, I maybe I have some breaking news. Oh, my God. All right. Breaking news are we, is... Are we ready? That's a drum roll. He, he is just about 100% sure he will be playing in the Lake Tahoe golf event in July. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh wow. All right. Wow. Okay, there we yeah. go. You know, yeah. a yeah. different timeline, but certainly an important yeah. one nonetheless. Thank God yeah. for that investigative yeah. journalism. The moment well, we've all been know, waiting for. You ask the important questions, and he felt comfortable enough to give me the important answer that next July that he should be good. Good to go. He said he doesn't want to miss that tournament. So uh, that's kind of what we talked about. You heard it here <laughs> All right, first. there we go. Breaking, breaking news. Make sure yeah. you clip it. Aaron Rodgers exclusively gives the breaking news to my dad that he believes that he will be back on the course, ready to play by the 2024 American Century Classic in Lake Tahoe, where my father is also hoping to secure an invite again in uh, American Century, people. We need to make that happen. It was a really fun trip yeah. for the rest of the Golden yeah, family. So right trip. The big right trip. Back. So timeline there, July. So that looks good. Other than that, listen, he, you know, I mean, yeah. what, what else is he going to say? He's rehabbing every day. You know, what, what's, what's coming out now or what people are wondering now is if he does come back sooner, was it only a partial tear of his Achilles? And that's something we're probably never going to know, or maybe we will. Sure. We certainly know the doctor isn't going to talk about that. That would have to come from Aaron himself. Was it a partial tear? If it was a partial tear, how how partial was it? You know, how much was it? Does this give him the ability to, to maybe come back? And would you do it if the Jets are kind of there, kind of out of it, risking the fact of re-injuring or just saving it all for next year that 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 would be a big big decision to make 
you would have to have a clear path to the postseason because if yes. it's murky at yep. all and you put him out of there and you potentially let one bad situation become worse. You're all That's Well, yeah. And, I, Dad, I guess that's the, the interesting part of this, though, is that context of where they're going to be at that point. Because you saw the game again last right. night. There's a bunch of blame to go around for this team, right? Especially yep. offensively. There's a bunch of stuff. You mentioned the offensive line. Um, but you keep coming back to – Zach Wilson in a couple of critical moments last night. I, I keep yep. wondering and seeing some of the mistakes made and going, could it could it just, you know, Jacoby Brissett level veteran have gotten them through a few more of these moments where all of a sudden this is a more winnable game and you do get to the end of the season and have a team that's closer to the postseason where maybe if this Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary ends up landing in the end zone for you, now all of a sudden you're closer to the playoffs. You know, he makes some really good throws, but then the bad plays are bad. You know, and, and, and it costs you in close games, and it's normally going to be close games because your offense doesn't have the ability to pull away. Your defense can keep you in games. And clear path there as well. We talked about Devontae Adams targeted 13 times. Garrett Wilson was targeted 14 times. And we know the clear stars on these teams. It's just still kind of a hold-your-breath moment with Zach Wilson on what are you going to get on each play. Two teams in similar spots. The Raiders feeling a lot more hopeful about their future than a continually sad Rob Sala, who once again (laughs) saw his defense living in an opposing backfield and his offense unable to muster up touchdowns. Coming up next, though, we will get to the young quarterback everyone's talking about and see how high this Houston Texans thing can fly. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time for Mic'd Up Monday, presented by Wrangler. Let's start with the Texans defeating the Bengals 30-27. to C.J. Stroud is him. All right, he threw for 356 yards, let a drive over the final 93 seconds that put Matt Amendola in range for a game-winning 38-yard field goal. As time ran out, they got the win. Emotional, happy, everything. And D'Amico Ryan, after the game, giving his team a victory Monday. Hey, man, I love you guys, man. Hey, you talk about, we talk about finishing. Every snap, and when it goes down to the last snap, and we finish it, I love it. Mm. All right, I love it. Mm. We come on the road and be the really good team. Mm. But guess what? The vibes are just immaculate <laughs> in that locker room. Really, Come on. It really just is like the simplest solution is give your players an extra day yep. off. If you want to be seen as the coach that everybody loves, D'Amico Ryans hasn't had to work hard to endear himself, Dad. He just naturally seems to exude that kind of leadership, the kind of guy that draws you in as a coach. But uh, an incredible win for them, Dad. And now we're starting to get to the point where – after going and beating a Bengals team, and neither you and I predicted this, we both thought the Bengals would handle their business, a more mature team in their life cycle. The Houston Texans are now going to say, why can we not be an AFC playoff team? Why can we not potentially challenge a Jacksonville team that lost this weekend for the division in the AFC South? And certainly for C.J. Stroud, offensive rookie of the year may no longer be a good enough conversation for him. It might have to now devolve to full-blown MVP chatter. He has earned that with the way that he has gone out and played as a young player so far dad you know you sit there and you want to look at where he is in the league he's second in yards at this point 
He's sixth in rating. Uh, he's ninth in touchdowns with 15, but he only has two interceptions. To me, that's still, he threw one in this game, but it's still one of the most amazing stats to me and just calm and cool. Now, I had a good running game that helped them. They had over 160 yards rushing. Noah Brown had himself a game, I think, averaging like 23, 24 yards a catch. Tank Dell, another, that's the thing. Tank Dell, a rookie, you know, you have young players you can build around. That defense, really good against the run. Not not as much against the pass, but playing really well against the run. And you have a young head coach who relates to the players really well. So not only are they playing well now, but even if, the, even if it was a little less than this, you'd say still arrow up on the youth and how they're playing and how they're picking everything up. But they're coming in way ahead of schedule. Yeah, C.J. Stroud himself, so special. You see the mobility. I I said to someone the other day, every game C.J. Stroud has played in the NFL has been the Ohio State-Georgia game from the college football playoff, where it seemed like the light went on. And then ever since then, he's been mobile at the right times. He's existed well in Bobby Slowick's offense that puts him on the move a little bit, does a lot of things to help naturally protect him from a defense like the one he saw from Lou Anamurumo and this Cincinnati Bengals squad here. But he can do the stuff that's off script. He's got an arm that's strong enough to make the throws when his feet aren't necessarily set under him and daddy's got a short memory at the end of this game you got the interception that almost went for a pick six that gets the Bengals right Right. back into this you got to throw near the two minute drill deep downfield on third down that stops the clock gives the Bengals another opportunity to go tie this thing and he's able to shut all that off compartmentalize it and go down and lead a game-winning drive for this team you mentioned the rookies dad I also want to shout out they've got the perfect mix of veteran guys on this team Robert Woods and what he's done for that receiver room the offensive line with guys like Laramie Tunsil and Tyus Howard and company there defensively Sheldon Rankins had one of the more dominant performances you will ever see in that game according to next gen stats he had a career high seven pressures and three sacks all of which came matched up with right guard Alex Kappa for the Cincinnati Bengals that was a dominant performance so they did a great job of not only finding talented rookies including their quarterback but also the perfect mix of veterans in the right places that have really shined and I think been great off the field certainly for these players but on the field as well yeah a lot lot to build on there and you said you're right it's a good mixture and what 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 he did, Rankins, as you said, on the inside, absolutely uh, amazing uh, to see that. Because as you've talked about, a D lineman could have one sack and two pressures and consider it a great game, and the O lineman have a bad game. Well, that was a really bad game uh, from an O lineman standpoint. And think next couple of games, they play the Cardinals, where Kyler Murray has come back and given them a victory. And then they have uh, Jacksonville, they have Denver, and then they have the Jets. So. All of a sudden, you start to talk. When you start to talk about flexing schedules, Sundays and Mondays, they could be a team that gets flexed into some of these games with the way they're playing right now. And oh, by the way, that game, a last second field goal, was a record setting one of five field goals, winning field goals as time expired. Not just like a field goal with a minute to go to put you ahead. Field goals as the clock ran out. One of five yesterday. They beaten Cincinnati, Cleveland beaten Baltimore, Arizona beaten Atlanta, Detroit over the Chargers, and Seattle over Washington. So big kicker day, big kicker energy of making the, the kicks when they count, especially in Cleveland coming off missing the extra point to say down one where they could have could that could have been tied up 31 all, miss the extra point, but get the chance to kick the game winner at the end. We'll talk a lot more about C.J. Stroud when we get Michael Lombardi here in a little bit. But you mentioned Cleveland. Jesse, let's get to the next sound on our schedule as we look at the Browns and Ravens slugfest from this weekend. Yeah, Browns rallied from a 14-point fourth-quarter deficit Sunday for what they called a statement victory. So 33-31 against the division-leading Baltimore Ravens. Amari Kuyer giving us a look in (laughs) – sorry – Inside a happy Browns locker room after the game. Guys, can either of you name this song? Take a look. A listen. Uh, yeah, that's uh, take over your trap. I that become pretty popular in visiting locker rooms. I knew it. Yeah. We knew it was something that you would know, Gojo. So we're really glad that oh, you could well, clarify that for us. I mean, I knew it as well. I just let Mike 
you know, say it. For sure. Oh, right. No. For sure. Yeah, it's you did. On but my playlist. Guys, this kind yeah. of begs the question, what's going on in the AFC North? It's very confusing. Dad, this to me was the easiest game to see coming. Not that the Browns won. I mean, it was going to be a coin flip down in the end, but the fact that this game was close, strange, started off pretty early on in the first defensive series with a defensive touchdown by Kyle Hamilton, former Notre Dame safety. Yeah, and great play. then just continued to get weird all the way down in this game. The AFC North is tailor-made for really close contests between teams. And I-, I thought among a number of things, Dad, right, we saw Miles Garrett show up early and off in this one like we expected. The Ravens defense made those plays, but at certain junctures, the legs of Deshaun Watson able to get them out of some of the trouble caused by that Ravens pressure package and they eke this one out yeah and you basically three receivers cooper and joku and more nine nine and seven targets there that's where deshaun watson was going we know how good that defense is and jesse you ask about the north now cleveland and baltimore have split for the year uh but in the division cleveland's two and two baltimore's two and two cincinnati is oh and two and pittsburgh is two and oh from a division standpoint so we've talked about this being the best division the only division where you have every team over 500 Cincinnati I would say with the most surprising loss or one of the most surprising losses of the weekend as we all thought they were making their move and coming back uh in this one but uh, you know we said going into this weekend what was it Mike everyone every team in the north would be in the playoffs all three of the wild cards would come from the north and I don't think that's going to happen um but it's, it certainly is a possibility with the way they're playing right now. But that was, I agree, that was a statement big win for the Browns. They were on the verge of losing both their games to Baltimore, both division losses to them. Yeah, and I think it, we talked about the discrepancy the first time around they played. Dorian Thompson-Robinson goes in there and what this Browns outfit needed. Obviously, they're paying Deshaun Watson to be one of the best quarterbacks in football, and it doesn't seem like you're going to get that. It doesn't seem like it's in the cards. And so we looked at what does this team need going forward based on how dominant that defense has been, and they really just need you to be an okay NFL quarterback, Dad. I feel like if you can get baseline quarterback play and with a few extra added wrinkles with the mobility mixed in there, this can be a team that's absolutely not just a playoff team, but one capable of winning because you've got such a weapon on defense. Yeah, rushing for 178 yards helps. Helps your quarterback without question. Absolutely. We will get to the final member of Mike Up Monday's illustrious trio next here on Gojo and Golden. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. We still have one more bit of sound to get to for Mic'd Up Monday. So Vikings defeated the Saints 27-19, to and Josh Jobs, he went out, threw for a career-high 268 yards and two touchdowns. Good for the Vikings' fifth straight victory, and it has been a wild, wild ride for Josh Jobs. Here he is reflecting on his last few weeks uh, with the Vikings postgame. I just moved out of the hotel, so we're making strides off the field. Uh, but I did, I did pinch myself. It's been really cool just being able to take it all in. The fans, the support has been absolutely tremendous, you know, around the city. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I'm taking it in stride. Uh, what I like to say is I'm exactly where my feet are. You know, I'm not thinking too far ahead. I'm not thinking in the past, man. I'm right here. I'm taking it all in. 
Every time Josh Jobs starts talking, I'm reminded that he is a rocket scientist. Yes, yes, yeah, truly no, is. Got a, a, a genius who also understands, uh, in, like you said, exactly where his feet are and what he needs to say. Daddy's done a great job leading that team since he's been over there. And this weekend, they went out there and were able to get it done yet again. The mobility of Josh Dobbs, certainly another thing that was on display. You saw some of the extracurricular plays, including that awesome rushing touchdown down in the red zone where he circled back out of a couple of would-be tacklers. But yeah. overall, Dad, I think for this game, you look on the Saints sideline, a lot more too about what went wrong for them Derek Carr in this game leaves with an injury Michael Thomas leaves with injury in this game so Jameis Winston has to finish this out and it just seems like a Saints team that's going to be once again trying to cobble together around injuries some version of their season it's a Saints team that I thought the offense would be way more prolific than it is with Carr and with Olave and with Thomas and with Kamara I thought they would be one of the top offenses, and they haven't been. And they've been nicked up, as you mentioned, Carr a couple of times, and now Thomas as well. Defensively, they've always been a pretty stout defense. But give Josh Dobbs and that Minnesota offense, you know, a lot of credit. And it's always interesting when a new quarterback comes in, who do they kind of lean to? And we always talk about a tight end being a safety blanket. TJ Hawkinson, we keep talking about Christian McCaffrey at the trade deadline, but remember TJ Hawkinson was a monster move for them as well when they traded for him from Detroit. He had 15 targets, I think, what, uh, uh, 11 receptions uh, yesterday. I mean, he was the guy. That's where Josh Dobbs was looking, and TJ was there to, to help all that he could. So, I'm not sure where I put this team, Mike, of where I want to put them in the NFC. Again, a a conference that we talk about very, very, very top-heavy, which could basically be Philadelphia, San Francisco jumping back into the picture, and certainly Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. I don't know how deep it really goes, so I'm not sure where to put Minnesota, but this is more about Josh Dobbs and his ability to take the situation he is in and find a way to make the best of it. And he's just, listen, you never have to worry about him in a smart way picking things up. He's always going to do that. Yeah, no, I think I would describe this team dad as frisky. I don't know if I'm willing to rank them or predict them doing anything really of value. But again, this goes back to the Jets point that we talked about earlier of you had a team with a roster around it that looked pretty good. The offensive line had been protecting well for most of the season. You mentioned TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison. You still, by the way, you saw Justin Jefferson on the sideline plenty. He's a guy that said the other week, when I'm healthy enough to play, it doesn't matter where we're at in the season. My goal is to be a Hall of Famer and sitting out long swaths of time isn't in line with that goal so they're gonna get him back at some point dad in the midst of this offensive like i said josh dobbs is looking around going man you guys got rich person stuff over here i was over hanging out in the (laughs) desert for a long time kyler murray came back yesterday and saw exactly what i'd been working with was able to scrap one out against the atlanta falcons i got good toys to play with right now and so i'm gonna go out here and ball and he did just that yeah by the way kyler murray needs a step counter for the amount of (laughs) running around that he does in the pocket to make plays and then it's just absolutely amazing but they did eke one out but i'm with you they're 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 an interesting team i i don't there are a couple games back at detroit but i it's tough for me to sit there and say yeah they're one of the contending teams need to to see more here but getting justin jefferson back soon could be huge Dad, so who do you think, uh, big picture now on the weekend that we've looked at all this, who do you think had the best win of this weekend? We did the NFL Playoff Selection Committee last week with Jason Fitz, and uh, it took a bit of a beating. The top four we had, the Philadelphia Eagles at one, the Ravens at two, lost. Kansas City at three, them and Philly, the only ones that didn't lose because they were both on a bye this week. Four, the Cincinnati Bengals lost, and now five and six, the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who also lost here, Dad, who stood out to you the most the Texans I feel like are going to get the biggest billing today because CJ Stroud's now a legitimate MVP candidate because their success does look sustainable right when you look at hey you're able to consistently get pressure with a four-man pass rush you've got a really balanced offensive attack between rushing the football where you didn't even have your starting running back in the game and passing the football where you probably didn't have your best receiver in the game so it seems sustainable for them and proof of concept against a really good Cincinnati Bengals team on the road probably going to have them for most people at the top of the heap today play oh i am for sure i think that was the win um they're sitting there one game behind jacksonville right at this point and jacksonville we think should be winning that division 
Uh, but you know, you're just you're just not sure. Time they they took it on the chin from San Francisco uh, yesterday. Now, uh, so I, I uh, without a doubt, it was the it was the Texans win and what they can do. They're they're actual contenders for that division the way they're playing right now. So they, to me, had the win of the weekend. We're definitely going to have to redo our rankings. Detroit's going to be jumping into those rankings. But I also have to, also have to say a quick note. I did the first game of the season, Giants-Cowboys, 40 to nothing. The Giants-Cowboys, two games this year, the Cowboys outscored the Giants 89-17. to 17. I mean, that's college stuff. Yep. I, it, it is brutal how bad the new york giants are but that was an aside quickly back to the texans they are they are the definite win of the weekend in my eyes i would say the only other one that qualified dad would probably be the detroit lions and listen i'm a little freaked out by how much they were able to give up to the los angeles chargers here the final score 41 38 not a ringing endorsement of the defense that you supposedly overhauled from last year but you finally get jameer gibbs and david montgomery both kind of having the game at the same time montgomery up over 100 yards gibbs at 77 on the ground and adding 30 more in the receiving chart but Dad, I look at this and see the aggressiveness, Danalytics. We talk so much about fourth down decision making in the NFL right now, and people seem to only really want to focus on it when it's bad. Bill Barnwell chronicled this. Look at the fourth down decisions from both teams yesterday in this game. Overall, teams went 8 of 9 on fourth down, including the Detroit Lions, who, when given an opportunity to go out and win the game at the end, decided to go for it on fourth and two that set Detroit up for the game-winning field goal and make sure you didn't give the ball back to a red-hot Justin Herbert. Dad, Danalytics, fourth down aggressiveness, winning the day. And I love to see that from a coach who we know is not necessarily probably taking all of it from some org chart that the person prepares, but understands at the core of all this is the idea that I would rather give my guys the chance to win it than simply play to not lose games. So then you get that attitude on the team so no one's ever surprised when you're going for it, right? Because that's one thing when you get in that situation, you know, what are we doing? Everyone's looking at the sideline. What are we doing? And for the most part, you know, you're given whatever the situation you're, but though you're probably going to go for it. So mentally, I think that helps the players knowing the situation that they're in. And just like D'Amico Ryan is doing in Houston and what he's building with young players there, Dan now is a couple of years doing that in Detroit, getting those guys to buy in. I can't tell you how important it is. Well, you can see how important it is from that aspect, we always talk about talent, which is fine, but Josh McDaniel in with the Raiders just lost that team. Antonio Pierce comes in. We wondered if the one game, if you sustain that of emotion, and it goes to two games. Again, as we said, they'll get a test now, Miami and Kansas City, but how important taking on the attitude of your head coach can be. And, man, Dan's got that, that bite kneecap attitude that his team is following. And you saw him fired up after that game, I think rightly yeah. so too, Dad, because part of this is also getting over the hump. Remember when Dan first got there, they were in a bunch of games like this, right. and then they would always find themselves on the losing end. It would be that same old Lions mentality, and so the fact that they were able to go out in a close game like this where the Chargers offense finally looked like some version of what we've expected from them all along... And instead, the Lions were able to be the team that actually won this game. That's got to be a huge bit of capital in the bank for that team mentally on what they can believe going forward. Dad, lots to get to from college football this weekend. I know we usually do a lot more of that on Tuesday, but... uh, Big news in the sport yesterday as Texas A&M announced that they would be parting ways with head football coach Jimbo Fisher after, and this is the wild background of this, a 51-10 win over Mississippi yeah. State. I was on the call for that game for Learfield, and I can promise you nowhere in the midst of a game where Texas A&M was dominant with their third-string quarterback, Jalen Henderson, under center for them, did I think, oh yeah, this is going to be the one. Because, Dad, we knew... 
with Jimbo Fisher, there have been some angst in College Station for a while surrounding their underachievement relative to talent during his tenure, but apparently we saw the reporting from Pete Thamel and others over at ESPN that this conversation had started with the Board of Regents on Thursday earlier in this week and just culminated after the game. So, Dad, were you surprised by this at all as Jimbo Fisher now gets set to stay at home and pocket somewhere around $72 million on the remainder of his contract? Uh, yeah, I was a little surprised. Now, he has one signature win in his time there, right? A couple of years ago yeah. against Alabama. That That's really been about it. But rarely do you see, what was the final, 51 to 10 or some blowout? I know you were on, yeah. on the call, but it was, it was not a game that was competitive. Do you hear this? What I will say, coming out for this, and, and, and I thought it was ridiculous anyway, any school... Any president that agrees to it, any AD that offers it, they should be looked at. Any 10-year deals. That should never be done. It's ridiculous to do. Name me the coaches that would last a 10-year deal. Nick Saban. I mean, other than that, you are just giving money. You are paying Jimbo Fisher, I think it's $76 million, 72, 76. What's $4 million amongst friends? You're paying him to not coach, and he's going to get every dime of that. There's going to be no settlement. They fired him, not with cause. So he's going to get that money off of a 10-year deal. Mike, I don't know why any team, any school would ever do it. Why they would go past four, five, six-year deal to go 10 years and then... Uh, I'll, when is it going to work out? You're going to end up paying a ton of money, or your boosters are. Somebody is going to have to foot the bill for that. Yeah, there's a joke about oil futures in here. But, Dad, I think the reason that's happened, though, is exactly what's going to happen coming off of this. Look at how many names we already saw linked to the Texas A&M job coming off of this. Coaches at schools that are going to want to keep them. I saw it was Pete Thamel over at ESPN. The early list of potential names for Texas A&M. Knowing that money is no object, and this is a reminder, they yeah, always have yeah. the money. Shout out to Holly Anderson over at Channel 6. They wanted to, so they did, is what this comes down to. A group of wealthy and powerful men decided they were no longer going to watch a bunch of really high talented players lose games that they did not think they should be losing or not competing because dead to the talent level on this since Jimbo Fisher's arrival in 20 uh his first full class in 2019 Texas A&M has signed 70 ESPN top 300 players that is the fourth most in FBS football behind Alabama Georgia and Ohio State all of whom have played in at least one national championship game in that span Texas A&M has not even played in an SEC championship game in that span. So if you're looking for why this happened, it's because Texas A&M's boosters and the people around there expect with the money, resources, and talent on that campus for them to be in that group. And when they haven't been, they weren't. But to your point about the 10-year contracts, Dad, the names mentioned in this, Lane Kiffin, Mike Elko, Mike Norvell, Dan Lanning, Jeff Trailer, Chris Kleiman, Cliff Kingsbury, Kalen DeBoer, a bunch of those guys at jobs that I'm sure would like to keep their coaches and now may have to work desperately and give their agents a ton of leverage to say, well, Texas A&M might come calling. Be a real shame if we left. What are you going to do to make me feel like I need to stay? And because that continues to pop up all over college football, and we've seen it in the last couple of years with contracts like the one that got given out in East Lansing and Happy Valley, as long as they've got that leverage and as long as Jimmy Sexton lives and breathes, this is probably going to keep happening. I get the extension, but we're not giving out 10-year extensions. I mean, when Jimbo Fisher was the name going to Texas A&M, he was the big name. He'll get the recruits. He'll get us to the national championship. As you mentioned, he got some, you know, high-quality players, and they did nothing. I mean, at some point, and that's the thing, there are the, the presidents who have to sign off on this are afraid to say no and not get that big-time coach. When, Correct. When is... What common sense would tell you, hey, I want, we'll offer you a five-year deal. Hey, I want a 10-year deal or I'm going to this place. Well, good luck. Enjoy that place because we're not giving out a 10-year deal. But I, I, I guess the bottom line would be is if you have boosters that are willing to foot that bill and as it's right. not coming from the university, then so be it. Hey, it ain't my money that we're burning. You know, we're going to the guy who's pumping oil out of the oil wells, making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Him and his buddies are, are footing the bill here. So cool. We'll keep giving out the 10-year deal. But any any money that's coming out of the school, why they would give a 10-year deal, I do not know. But as long as you have rich folk that are ready to pay it out, I guess you'll continue. Like you said, you'll continue to see it happen. 
yeah, leverage is the ultimate decider in these cases. And college football's vanity spending. It's not grounded in reality. I remember saying this when we talked about ROI and things and name, image, and likeness. That's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with people wealthy beyond their wildest dreams who want to see their favorite school go out and win games. And, Dad, ultimately, Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M was not able to do that at the level that they wanted. Missed even playing in bowl game last year by going 5-7. Yep. and seven. Was never fully able to realize what Jimbo Fisher, we talk about this all the time, if your strength is not something that shines for the team, if that ends up proving to be a weakness, quarterback was supposed to be Jimbo Fisher's thing, going all the way back to Jameis Winston at Florida State, and they were never able to get the quarterback on campus that was a meaningful difference maker there. Still tons of talent all over the place. You look at the lines of scrimmage, especially on defense. There are dudes left and right on that roster that are going to be playing Sunday football pretty soon. The question now becomes, Dad, what kind of job is Texas A&M going forward? Is this something that if you were a Dan Lanning or a a Kalen DeBoer at Washington or a Mike Norvell at Florida State, would all of the oil money in the world be enough for you want to go over and take this job in the midst of the SEC West? I have questions about some of those names. I think the perfect name on that list is Mike Elko at Duke. Like the job that he's done there, he's been in College Station, was your D coordinator there when Jimbo first got over. He seems like the perfect happy middle ground of a guy who this would be an upgrade in pay resources and a lot of things and knows that environment because I don't think a Dan Lanning would leave Oregon for Texas A&M no. at this juncture. No, why would he? I mean, you got to look at the step. Are you taking a step up or are you taking a step sideways? Certainly money is important. And anybody that says they're doing it to where they coach to try and win and money isn't important, they're lying. Money is important. If somebody's just going to money whip you, you certainly you have to think about it. IEC Craig Council getting eight mil a year from the Cubs, you know, five years for 40 mil. So that comes into play. But I agree. Why would Dan Lanning leave Oregon, even though the conference is going away? You know, he gets excellent recruits. So, but Elko, I agree with you. And I mean, he's putting himself in position for a gig like that to get some money thrown at you and take a step up in programs. Yeah, I think that's going to be fascinating to watch. And we mentioned all the usual suspects name-wise getting thrown around for that. But I guess at the end of the day, you're right. Like, man, if you were going to pay me that much money to come here, potentially try and see if I can make it work in a way that seems difficult right now and has not been easy for anybody that's been in College Station recently to pull off. But if you're going to ask me, hey, you're going to put that on the line, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, we're going to go make you rich beyond your wildest dreams. That's probably a chance I'm willing to take right now. Fascinated to see what Jimbo does after this, too, if he'll be one of the rare people that's like, you know what? I've made more money than God right now. This is one of the highest stress jobs I can possibly do. Maybe I'll just go be rich quietly somewhere and not worry about this all anymore but we know how these coaches are wired and that just does not seem like something that they can comprehend you wonder if there's a line though 76 million dollars to not coach our team mike DraftKings could offer me a hundred dollars to not work with you anymore and sit at home and i would probably take it wow okay and i don't mean that right. in a mean, i don't mean that in a mean way to you you know that's a hundred I, mean, I think you I do mean, seriously i think you absolutely do mean that well, in a mean way to me I mean, that's a C note, man. I mean, that goes a long way. Well, and that's true. I mean, listen, not, I, not really. You know, your sister spends a lot of my money, so. Never I was mind. just going to say, man, you really, I mean, yeah. this is like the reverse Austin Powers where Dr. Evil comes in and asks for $1 million in the heist, and then they all laugh him out of the building, and then you go for $100 billion. Your valuation's a little bit off here right now, so yeah. I'm yeah, going to give true. you time to go back and think <laughs> about how you want to present this to the Shark Tank of bad ideas for DraftKings Sportsbook. And in the meantime, we'll get to more college football in a little bit. Michigan coming off a really important weekend for them, and how I feel today is DraftKings drastically different relative to Michigan than how I felt right after that game. But coming up next, we got to tap into the feelings in uh, Patriot Place right now after a rough weekend in Germany.